0: So welcome to the Louise Fitzgerald podcast and today I'm super excited because I've got my first guest ever and it's Ashley Torrent and she is a psycho-spiritual counselor, an intuitive medium and she's also the co-host of two podcasts, the Blue Butterfly Effect and the Practice of Love podcast. So welcome Ashley, thank you for being here today. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and just talk intuitive stuff with you.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm so excited as well. And um, speaking of intuition, I feel like that's why you're here because I was just like open to my phone one day, your video just popped up and yeah, without that second thought, I was like, should I just invite her on the podcast? And I've never had guests. And so it was like, I know sometimes sometimes people are wondering like, how, how does that intuition feel? But it's almost like something is moving through you. I don't know if that's how you find it too, but you're not, you don't second guess it, that fear voice isn't there. And yeah, you said yes, which is, which is really, really great.
1: Um, Well, you know, what's weird is the day before or that day, I actually was like, I think it would be fun to be on another podcast. Oh, so funny! And then I got your message, and I was like, "Oh, wow! It's Good. so weird." Yeah, and, and I—that's not- how it isn't manifestation is? It's a simple ask. We make yeah. it so much harder, but it's a simple ask and letting go. Yeah, <laughs> which was which was almost like what I did
0: too with you, which was like, "Do you want to do it?" <laughs> and then just yeah like put the phone down and just sort of let it go and didn't think about it but then yeah you wrote back pretty quickly and i was so excited so um i think that's nice for everyone to hear of just like how e like how easy it can be when you mm-hmm. are in the flow of things um but the the video i actually want to talk about the video because and i'll refresh your memory in case you can't remember which one it was but The video that I saw was entitled um, When Spirituality Is Too Woo Woo. And it's like, those could have been words from my own mouth. And that's why I loved it so much because I see that. And um, if you can't tell everyone, Ashley's in America and I'm obviously in Australia. So it's it's different places, but it's such a similar thing. So there'll be places here in Australia where I see communities or groups of people that just go too far in the woo woo. But I guess there's also like, the flip side of that, right. Where it's that practicality. And I even see that pendulum swing in myself sometimes and kind of coming back. But did you want to talk a little bit more about, yeah, that, that video that you shared and what you spoke about there and how you see that spirituality getting too woo woo sometimes?
1: Sure. I um, was actually that video is from a retreat I co-hosted in mm. June in Costa Rica. And, um, you know, being a psycho spiritual counselor, you know so you know i'm a therapist and so that's a little that's a little more grounded um but coming in as an intuitive medium to that retreat and i was teaching a class on um intuition and um that was like my opening piece to it because i'd been sitting at lunch with someone that day and they were like yeah i don't know you know the spirituality stuff it's just you know people can be really obnoxious and so woo, mm-hmm. i really feel that mm-hmm. i really feel that when i get so turned off when it's like the spiritual elite, you know, it becomes this hierarchy of I'm, I meditate longer or I'm so devout and I'm rigid and I've stripped my life of all temptation. And, um, I, I get so turned off by it because I feel like then we swing and we lose our humanity, which is how our soul evolves is like through our human life. And we have to have contact with that. So I, I get really annoyed by it. And, I um, <laughs> yeah, I, never, so I really my, do. In, you do, yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah. In, in your experience, do you see that too? I see it and it's,
0: um, yeah, it's it's funny you get annoyed because I really get annoyed by it because I grew up in a town that is um, like sort of hippie, right, mm-hmm. sort of, but it was like two towns that were right next to each other. The town that I was in wasn't so much, but the town I went to school was. And I'm using the term hippie, right, because it, it was kind of like very – um, eco, environmental, like, and people were in the flowy clothes and stuff. But the interesting thing is when I moved to the city, it was like, I saw it in a way that was really inauthentic. I saw it in a way where it was like, people were putting that outfit on yes. to almost kind of to, to step into a different character that wasn't innately them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Whereas the town yes. I grew from it, it felt really authentic and people were genuine and kind, like almost if you think about that Buddhist kind of way of being, if mm-hmm. people are spiritual and they're in touch with that compassion and the kindness. But then in the cities it's almost like we're this way, we're spiritual and we're also too cool for you. There was like this clicky thing and um and, the, and it's funny you also said that stripping of everything because that's that other aspect too where I feel that sometimes people, I, I will watch these videos or whatever they are and it's like, in order to be spiritual, you have to be able to remove everything from your life. But I'm like, aren't we here to be in this? Like, otherwise what is the point if I'm a soul here having this human experience? but right. I go move off into the mountains and disconnect my internet. I'm also not faced with really any difficulties to move through.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. I know there's a real spiritual practice of like being present with family and partners <laughs> and friends and work and, yeah. you know, and relationships and children and all the things. Um, so I feel like what I, I've noticed is that thing that turned me off and also made me feel like I was failing at spirituality when I first started. Like when I first learned meditation in school, just, just feeling like I can't sit still and I'm, I have complex trauma. So telling someone who has severe trauma to sit still in a room and listen to their breath, it's not for everyone. And I would just dissociate. And then I was like, I'm not like them. I can't do it. And so, you know, in my Discovery of my relationship to spirituality, my own intuition, I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Excuse me. And I was like, this they're they're trying to sell us something that's not real because it's personal, it's a relationship and it's a personal relationship. Um, so I really feel like instead of making it inaccessible or making it this thing that you have to strive for, because it's so personal, why can't we just help people access that beautiful relationship to their soul on a more grounded level? Um that feels exciting and the other thing I can't stand is like rigid spiritual practice that mm. is boring oh. oh yeah I'm like spiritual practice is fun like yeah. surfing's part of my spiritual practice oh right? I'm
0: so jealous <laughs> I it was surfing's one of these things in this life where I've tried it a couple times and I I'm like oh I wish my parents had have just made me do this when I was five years old so I could just do it <laughs> you know what I mean uh it right. must be so good well you're also dealing with giant sharks where you are It's so true. I know. And then when you start to think about it, it does freak you out. So I, and I nearly drowned um, this year, actually, for my first time I ever got stuck in a rip, like out in the ocean. And so now I'm a little bit like, I I love the ocean, but now there's like all these things where I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm
1: not supposed to be out here. (laughs) Well, it is in me. It it, it takes time. Like I was terrified when I first started. I started Mm. when I was forty. Oh wow, and I was okay. terrified. Okay. And I spent a year like working, you know, everything in life's a relationship. So I worked on my relationship to surfing and my fear in that space. Um, and then it became something that brought me so much joy. Yeah. But you know, that's the point, is I th- I think we need to make spirituality more accessible and fun because it's so much a part of our innate being, and and that's what I really want to help people understand is like you have this magic inside you, and if you're not tapping into it, It's really a shame because life gets really mundane and boring. Yeah. And (laughs) And it's suffering.
0: Yeah. It feels so disconnected. It's funny. That's the other thing you mentioned too, where I've noticed that in that wellness space or that self-care space, there is that rigidity and that, um, you know, and and I really, the one thing that I do love about you is that when I see you speak, you're always like, this is what I do, like it might not be good for you. And I've always liked to teach like that as well because, um, but one thing that I see kind of trending so to speak is like, okay, so you have to wake up at like 5 a.m. and do an ice bath and then you have to do this and then you have to do this. And, um, you know, I, I think I said it on an episode the other day, but it reminded me of that trending Mark Wahlberg thing. I don't know if you remember this, it was from ages ago. But it was like, here's Mark Wahlberg's um, routine in the morning. Oh, and no. it's like, he wakes up at 4am and he plays golf and then he has business meetings and da, 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 And I was like, yeah, who the fuck's looking after his kids? Do you know what I mean?
1: Right. This is completely right And he's unreal. a millionaire.
0: And he's a millionaire, right? <laughs> so it's like, this is, this is success. And it's kind of started to merge in with, um, you know, self-care or wellness or or spirituality. Like, this is how, if you don't do this again, if you don't do this, this is why you feel like crap because you didn't do your ice bath and you didn't do this. And, no. and again, those things can be so great. I'm sure like for people that, that have those individual practices mm-hmm. and it works for them, but it's that rigidity around it. And that, yeah. that feeling that you're failing if
1: you're not doing it, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Right. And,
1: and, and the intention behind it. I mean, mine started out with You know, going back to having such severe trauma is like I was fighting for my mental health. And what Mm -hmm. I found is my spiritual practice became things that dropped me into my heart that got Mm -hmm. me out of my head and the busyness and got me into my body. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it was spiritual practice then. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing. But then when I became a medium and I started studying more, I realized, oh, this is what I'm doing. And there were things that I looked forward to and, and I wanted to get up in the morning for, mm. but sometimes it was 20 minutes, sometimes it was 30 minutes, but yeah. the minute we make something rigid or we yes. put limits on it. I mean, I just think we naturally want to rebel against it. I do. Unless yeah. our life is set up for that kind yeah. of
0: strict yeah. routine. Yeah. I mean, I love routine for myself. Like I have ADHD and I've got trauma as well. So sometimes routine, I, I like it, but when it's like, I think back to being a kid, like you've got to do piano. My parents didn't do this, but like, as an example, you'd have to do piano for 30 minutes every day this Like, I'm just not going to want to do it. But if no. no one tells me what to do, I'll probably just go and do it. So, yes. yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. And also it is it is then losing that piece of what do I need today? Because I know when I'm really busy, it might not be meditation it's like okay if i only have 30 minutes then i'm going to go outside and get a walk instead mm-hmm. like so similar yeah. to your surfing like that can be my equivalent although i feel like i'm going to work toward the surfing
1: now but um i think you should i think i, think I, think I should. You should but the walks in nature that's that is my main spiritual practice yes yeah, you got to get me outside the minute yeah. i i'm outside i'm like because there's something beautiful about nature that just invites the best parts of us to come forward and to connect to and the rhythm of it. It's really lovely. And I think as well, that,
0: um, that piece where that sitting down, because I do mindfulness meditation teaching as well, sitting down with thoughts just isn't for everyone, as you've said. And so I always tell people like, if that doesn't work for you, going from your desk to the kitchen, just doing like mindfulness walking or something Mm -hmm. different. So we have to tweak it for ourselves and then tuning into what we need as well. Um, I do wanna actually rewind though, and because you did mention it a couple of times, but your training. So could you explain a little bit about the psycho spiritual counselor, like what that means and also how you got into the intuitive work and all that training that you did as well?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Well, it's interesting. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and the psycho-spiritual counseling came to me. Um, A therapist handed me a brochure and I was reading all the courses in there, which were Western clinical psychology and um, Buddhist psychology and spiritual practice and shamanism. And I knew nothing about most of these things, but my body just lit up and I got tears in my eyes. And I knew at the time I wanted to help people But I didn't know that I wanted to be a therapist. So the psycho-spiritual counseling, what I love is it's the integration of, let's say, Western clinical psychology and spiritual practice. And I think we have to have both for true healing to take place because you're working with the human. I like to think of it as the psychological pieces. I'm gathering pieces of the puzzle. What happened to me? Where has my life, what in my life has happened to me or where have I been? And then the beautiful thing about spirituality is taking those pieces of the puzzle and making a picture out of them. Like what's happened to me? How do I give it meaning and purpose? And how is it shaping where I'm supposed to go? It's, it creates trans suffering. It transforms the suffering Mm. into purpose and meaning, right? If that makes sense. It it makes perfect
0: sense because I feel that sometimes people, we um, can all get stuck with the thing that happened when it doesn't seem to like why i don't understand why this happened but i feel that that piece that you're giving people is the i can see where this is going you know so even yes. for yourself what you went through and what i went through is like that led you to the next thing so that connection. It took me out of victim mode
1: um, yeah spirituality yeah, took yes. me out of the victim mode yes. yeah
0: yeah that yeah that's a more succinct way to, <laughs> to say it yeah exactly um yeah. and so are you seeing people sometimes for like, do you generally see people that are open to both and you're working on both at the same time? Or do you ever see people that are just, I want to practically talk about my experiences and, and work through them?
1: Yeah. I, I feel like I mean, initially it was mostly people coming for, tradi- you know, I don't do traditionally therapy. I do mindfulness-based and somatic therapy. Okay. So it was like more talk therapy, but I always am working mindfully and getting people in their body. Right. I'm helping them track and build that mindfulness skill. And also because feelings live in the body, it's important we go there and get out of our heads. Um, But I would always like imagine holding spirituality like uh, as, I don't know, as a backdrop. And when they were ready or if they were curious, I would bring it in, but I would never bring it in until I felt someone was ready. But you notice a point where someone is stuck. And that's the point where you kind of go, why they'll be like, why is this happening? What's the point? And then naturally spirituality comes in, comes into the conversation. Um, And then now, since I've come out, like, as a come out as a medium, um, I'm finding that there are people that will come to me for readings or listen to the podcast and they'll want the combination of both. And they'll come mm. to me specifically because there aren't, it's getting, there are more people now, but it, there was a time where there are very few people doing both. Um, mm. You yeah, know, and or, I think, even well, I think what
0: specifically what you're doing too with that background and the training is unique. I haven't seen it so much. You know what I mean? And I think it is mm-hmm. really great because often, with clients of mine where I'm doing more the intuitive work, I will encourage them to go and see Western, so whatever that looks like, right? So if it's health issues, I say go and see your doctor for tests or, you know, a naturopath, which I guess I don't know if that's Western, but meaning like I can be one piece of the puzzle for you, but particularly where it's something like trauma or I can see that there's a relationship issue, I will then encourage them, hey, maybe you and your partner go and see a couple's counsellor together. Because I think Mm -hmm. that for myself, I'll see psychologists or my husband and I will go see a counsellor because sometimes you need that that practical piece of this is how you're doing something, why you're doing something, but then here's some steps we can put in place to overcome it. Um, so it must be so helpful for people to have, have that with you, that, that combination.
1: I, I feel like, you know, I have a lot of teachers that who trained me in mediumship and they would say, you know, I have to refer people, you, you know, what came up, um, you should take this to someone to process it. And what I really realized is, there's a really beautiful benefit of being able to be in that intuitive space or connecting to someone's loved one when stuff comes up. And then we can process and integrate it in that same session or in further sessions. Um, and I, I, yeah, so it feels it feels really cool to me that I can do that. Yeah. Um, and I can see how deep we can go um, sometimes in those sessions really quickly.
0: Yeah. That's the other cool thing I think about that intuitive work, right? Is that because I think when there's that, that piece where you're just talking to someone and I could see you 10 times and we're trying to uncover something if I if I wasn't intuitive because it's only from your viewpoint and it's those unconscious things that we, we can't see or are you yeah. seeing sometimes you're tapping into, hey, when you were four, someone did this to you at school and then that's why, you know, it's like those crazy dots and and it's uncovering that. I mean, but that's interesting too. Do you have things that you would guide people to, to start to tap into those things themselves? So let's say um, I'm trying to give you examples that aren't real because then I feel like you'll intuitively just read me, but like, let's say that I, okay, have a fear of surfing. I don't, but let's say that I did. Like what tool would you then say to someone to take outside of sessions to when something comes up for you, how can you trace it yourself? Like, do you think that's possible for people to kind of tap into their own root cause of a limiting belief or fear?
1: Mm, I do. Um, let's say surfing, for example. Um you know, if you ask them the right question, what they might uncover is a fear of loss of control or fear of mm-hmm. death or the fear mm-hmm. of unknown. So, you know, the, the fear of surfing is a symptom of a, of a root issue, which might distill down to a lack of feeling of um, unsafe in the world. And, you know, I think we ha- ask those those big questions like, Am I safe? Am I loved? Do I matter? Am I enough? Those like really core questions we're asking the minute we enter the world. So if we were to take something like that and if we could distill it down to the root of the issue, you know, for that one, it would probably be a, fe- a fear of um, lack of safety. I'm, I'm yeah. having a hard time saying
0: that. But yeah. a feeling unsafe. Which, in the which world. funnily enough is true. <laughs> me. So, this is, I don't know if you have the same thing, but what I've got like intuitive friends and I'm always like, Oh, I don't want to say too much because I know that they can read everything. But, um, but yeah. And, and that's like that piece. And I hope the listeners can kind of grasp what I'm hearing here is that these patterns we have in life are generally the same. So like the, the thing that you haven't, so I, let's say I have a fear of surfing Then you can start to identify where else is this coming up because that root piece that you've talked about. So, if it's true that I have a fear of safety, could that be why this is happening at work? This is happening when I go for a walk? This, you know, so it's kind of like I think that's what I'm saying. If you see Ashley in a session, she's going to be able to just kind of go, okay, I can see this umbrella piece and then then I think there's that self-reflection someone can take on board and start to unpick things and unravel what's yeah yeah the the patterns because we all have them. We um, all have
1: them. And have you done or have you studied internal family system or systems or parts work?
0: But I but I am so interested by it. And um I think I just saw something recently on Instagram uh I think the holistic psychologist was doing some sort of workshop or something about it. And I was like, I really want to go to that, but could you tell me more about it and the listeners more about it? Cause I have read it and yeah. it's super interesting.
1: It is interesting. And then I think so much of, um, how we move through the world is related to our part. So I'll give like a, a brief description. Um, if you think about it this way, We are all made up of of parts of self. Like we have an internal family within us, and sometimes you've heard the wounded child, our inner defender, inner critic. Um, You could think of an observer self, a wise self, an integrated self, whatever you want to call it. Um, But often that wounded child, there's usually several wounded children in there, you know. And what happens is those wounded children—they could be three years old, they could be six years old, they could be fourteen, they could be twenty. If you think about have you, if you've ever like, for me, I can think about if I walk into like a party of people I've never been to, I will get triggered back to my 12 or 13 year old self. Okay. So what happens in the brain when we get triggered is the brain compartmentalizes into a part of self. And we see the world through that lens. We could even speak, like even our brain function is reduced back to a younger part of self we can have a harder time putting like words together we feel more afraid we start to slump we kind of embody that younger part of self and what's really helpful um one thing my husband specializes in couples and what he began to notice is the reason couples had cyclical arguments is because they were showing up in their defended or inner child parts of self and speaking to each other through those parts of self and once they would name that part and recognize i'm triggered I need a moment to kind of integrate, you know, to catch my breath. And they would show up then in the adult part of self, the conversation would change. Mm. I So, so naming and knowing that you're in that part, like I'm in a 13 year old self, the body starts to regulate and shift back mm. into a more present self. And then we can make choices and move through that experience from a present day self.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. Cause I was going to ask you, what is the, the way to overcome it? But It is. do you think just that moment of so again that example you used of i'm walking into a party that self-awareness piece if you can catch yourself and go oh my gosh i'm slipping into 12 year old Mm -hmm. would you suggest someone just you know ducks into the bathroom takes a breath like what what is the thing that you think can help people start to because i'm sure it's not easy you know the first time Mm -hmm. and that that first piece is that self-awareness and recognition which can be hard in and itself but how would you guide someone to then start shifting those things, those behaviors?
1: Well, the mindfulness is so beautiful, that mindful awareness of, oh, wow, I'm not feeling like myself and recognizing that you're triggered. And then, yeah, going to the bathroom or stepping outside or even just pausing and go and naming it within yourself. You know, they've done studies on naming and how quickly the body regulates itself, um, through naming, um, saying it out loud or saying it within yourself. Um, and then deciding, okay, so I notice I'm triggered. Let's see how do I want to proceed. And then usually by just naming and asking that question, you can say, oh, I can go to that space in the room. It feels safer. Or I'm going to take five minutes here. The other thing is then going and back and, and working on those parts of self that are still stuck in time. That maybe feel like they're not welcome in a group of strangers, you know, or um I'm trying to think like maybe a child is scared of doctors, for example, you know, noticing you're triggered when you go to doctors and really getting to the wounding that happened around doctors or authority figures and doing that work in therapy or on your own, healing those parts. And when we start to heal those parts, they become integrated inside of us and we're less triggered. We're less taken off guard by certain things in life, especially if we know what those are. Now do we heal our parts fully sometimes but then sometimes there's still work left to do depending on the trauma or what happened yeah you know
0: and it, and i think it is going to be a slow process right so that i liked how you talked about it being a reflect you know you've then got to go work on it see your counselor mm-hmm. or whatever it is but knowing that there's there's also that permission, I think. So in the example of the party, if you don't want to be there, then it's okay. If you're not ready, you can go home. Um, because I think we, we do often people please too much or think that we have to do things that we're not quite capable of yet. The naming thing as well. I, I think that's so interesting because again, it's kind of tying back to that, that woo woo thing. And, um, You know, when if you're saying like, and I, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's that piece around saying, I'm anxious or I'm in my 12 year old self or I'm not feeling the best or whatever it is that people are experiencing. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's, um, it kind of ties in, I think, to that spirituality manifestation guilting around you cannot have negative thoughts or oh god <laughs> that that piece right so like I, I right. want to talk or negative about, feelings or negative feelings yes yeah, so <laughs> I, I want to talk about that because when you said that naming thing and and you, you know you've got that site like this is this is we know this we know that when you name things it kind of down regulates soul you know but yes. um yeah do you see this too where it's like you can't have negative thoughts or feelings or yes yeah this is that why whole,
1: don't this. Yeah. yeah, the manifestation. And I think Abraham Hicks, for example, is so misunderstood. Um, and, it, and it really frustrates me because I think people think, okay, I can't feel negative things. I can't think negative thoughts. And that's just impossible. We're humans. So in my experience, you have to start where you are. So part of my spiritual practice is tending to my heart. That means daily. I try to daily, even if it's two minutes, three minutes or longer, I check in. What am I feeling? What's hanging out in my heart that might be blocking me experiencing that love and connection to my to the spirit, right? Or to my soul. And I might feel fear. So I'm like, okay, what am I afraid of? And I work through that and I name that. And then I might feel, be feeling angry at something that happened yesterday or something that happened earlier in the day. And I like work through that. And I allow that energy because feelings are just energy trying to move out of our body. And if we ignore them, they just get piled up. So I really try to clear whatever energy is hanging out. Now I have, and I will say, so I have trauma from years ago. I'm still working on clearing that. So that's not really what I'm talking about. That's a deeper process, but daily we, I think it's important to check in. So in what is hanging out that I don't want to carry with me in that clearing and feeling those feelings. And a lot of times I'll cry, like sadness will rise. I'll cry. And it's like the minute I cry and release those feelings, my heart opens. And when my heart opens, I'm moving up the vibrational scale. I've hit love, right? I've cleared out anger. I've cleared out fear. I've cleared out sadness, probably cleared out some shame. And then I'm experiencing love and connection. Now, do I experience that every day? No, because it doesn't work that way. Some days it's harder than others. But my intention is to be present for my pain and be present for myself and to check in where I am. So, in my experience, we need to start where we are. We can't we can't um bypass those feelings and we can't just push them away and we can't pretend and talk ourselves out of it because it just doesn't work. It's crap, <laughs> yeah. and and it's
0: funny because it is the opposite of what people might be hearing. I believe totally. Like They're the, not hearing.
1: The, yeah. yeah,
0: because it is—it is like avoid these feelings, or you won't get to this place. But it's like you know, it's actually the opposite. The way that you explained right. it, like that spiraling up of moving through those emotions and allowing them to drop away to clear the way for that that better feeling, as opposed to like, no, I'm just here. Like I'm in that space, which,
1: which doesn't really work. It's inauthentic. It's not real. Yeah.
0: And I find for myself personally, that's when the physical body begins to show me something's wrong. That's when I start to see the signs of like, oh, I'm sick or why is this coming up? Or, you know, maybe there's even, I see different things in my body, but like it could be an eczema rash or something. So I've gotten attuned to oh, that generally means that there's some anger that I have pushed aside. So so it's interesting to kind of be, to work toward, I think being more attuned with the body and and what you need. But I'm curious as well, like um, what is your daily practice without rigidity, but what's your daily practice that you have that allows you, because you did talk about just tapping into it, but do you have a space, like do you journal it or Yeah. How how do you get to that daily practice of
1: checking in? Well, I, I usually have to do it first thing in the morning, like after coffee or whatever, you know, as soon as I can, but it's nature getting outside um, as much as possible. It starts even sitting outside or walking outside or swimming or whatever. And what I found is it's my version of meditation, right? What I was just saying is naming and noticing what's there. Um, But what what happened was before I had all this energy in my body and I couldn't sit still, but now I can find stillness Mm. on certain days and I can find stillness throughout the day. Like sometimes I'll check in with my heart and just breathe. And I really appreciate quiet, but sometimes first thing in the day, I have to go for that walk. You know, I have to move my body to land in my body. So finding that connection to my body and to my heart is that practice, how I do it changes. You know, on the weekends when I can go surf, I surf. Sometimes it's yoga, sometimes it's journaling, sometimes it's a walk in nature, sometimes it's just sitting outside looking at birds. But tracking myself and seeing where I am, Um, so it's whatever calls to me that day or whatever's available to me. If I could surf every morning or swim in the ocean, yeah, you need to move to Sydney maybe, and
0: then and (laughs) then you can where it's much easier. (laughs) Um, Do you think that for you that was? Innate, like I'm really curious as to whether you were someone who was checking in naturally or curious, or is this something that it's a practice that you have consciously built?
1: No, it was unconscious. It was it was okay. trying to find my way home. Right, um, and when I look back, I had an intuitive friend say that her spiritual practice involves things that her inner child loves to do. Right. And when I thought about it, my younger self loved to be in nature and would swim and talk to flowers and plants and be outside all the time. And now the things that I love to do um, are so many things that that younger self, right. we're looking to regulate her nervous system, right? Looking uh. to find peace, right? Yeah. Um, so I think in just starting my healing process, it wasn't even intentionally a spiritual practice. It was like just trying to find my body, trying to find my heart. Cause I was so dissociated and so disconnected. And then, you know, once you make that connection, it's like, oh man, how fast can I get there? You know, tomorrow or later today, because it's peaceful. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, I was thinking I had a something that came in for a client the other day which it's like it's worth sharing and it's interesting that you you said what you said about the inner child because I saw for this person and I think it's kind of helpful for everyone but this inner child healing um once I I had a hypnotherapist tell me to to have something like an object that I it becomes my inner child and I carry it around well I kind of forgot to do it <laughs> but um the the vision that i saw for this client was something that i was like i'm going to adopt this for myself but it's imagining that that part that child at whatever age you want in the activities with you so if you're out mm-hmm. surfing it's like imagining that they're with you because i think that may, maybe this isn't for everyone the healing that they need but i know it was something for me of like bringing in joy to that child self that didn't necessarily get to feel it all the time so if I'm watching a movie, it's like, I'm imagining that they're there with me and they're eating popcorn. Or if I'm going for a walk, it's like, wow, look at that bird. It's like allowing that inner child to kind of experience joy if they didn't get to at times through their childhood. Um, I absolutely love
1: that because I'm really, really good at leaving my inner child at home during difficult situations. But as you're talking, the thing I don't do is imagine she's surfing with me, or imagine she's with the horses that I go hang out with. Um, so I appreciate you bringing. Yeah, no, well, I appreciate
0: I'm that gonna it, it, it. it Well, it was it was for a client, but I was like, you, I, I do you have this too, where sometimes the guidance comes to, and you're like, "Wow, this is really good. I'm going to use this because." Well, it's it's yeah. often for us too, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, which is which is great. Um. I was going to talk a little bit about the, so the training that you did, because I remember reading this, but your belief is that we can all do this. So, um, you know, you work as an intuitive and a medium now, did you have any snippets of that as a child as hints that it was around, or is it something that you purely at some point in time trained to do?
1: the intuitive piece i look back and i remember playing games like at stoplights trying to guess when the light would change yeah. and then i was really aware of other people's feelings and if a room was safe or if a person was safe but you know i didn't know that was intuition um and i think what i realize now in my in my like practice and channeling and things like that is at some point i became very bre- boundary because of the lack of safety i felt um as a young person and so I, the, the other side, um, some loved ones for the person I was working with, I was doing Reiki on someone and I saw two spirits that had passed and I didn't know what was happening. And I'd never heard of mediumship or mediums, but I just said, Oh, these two people are here and this is what they want you to know. And she was like, I know exactly who they are. And then like, I never 10 years passed and I never did it again. Um, I had children and then a friend of mine, just kept, she was really fascinated with John Edwards and near-death experiences. And she was like, I think you're a medium. And I was like, I don't think so. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't talk to ghosts, you know? Um, And she gave me book after book. And the book that changed it for me was um, The Light Between Us by Laurelyn Jackson. Yeah, I know you, it. Yeah. Yeah. And when I read it, I was like, this is the first thing that makes sense. And I think part of my problem was... I didn't really know what I believed happened when we die. I, I grew up very um, conservative Christian. And then at some point I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. And I couldn't even use the word God. And when the word spirit came through, I was like, that makes sense to me. So I think one of the reasons I couldn't develop mediumship before that is I didn't know, like, what do I believe? And I feel like you have to have some sense of understanding or some sense of what you believe in order to be able to talk about it and work this way. So after that, I took a training and immediately they started coming through. Um, It was like I just had to open the door. And so I've really kind of come to understand that as I'm trying to develop and evolve as a channel and even as a medium, I've really recently just given them more permission to come through in newer ways and to to let some of my boundaries down that I don't need in in that work sometimes. Yeah,
0: I know exactly what you're talking about because... um it was the same for me. Like I, childhood, there was a few things where I reflected back and it made sense. And then I like the way that you use your friend said, I think you're a medium. Like I almost had the same really, Cause it, it happened at, um, I don't know if you know who Lisa Williams is. She's actually in America now, but, um, I went to yeah, a show. She's,
1: um, she was, yeah, she was, yes, I know. Who she yeah, is. I it's think a medium, she had
0: right? a TV show and yeah, yeah. She's a medium. Um, I was at one of her shows and it was like, as she was doing readings, I was seeing that the same thing. And it was, it was her that she was like, I think you're a medium. And I'm like, no, no, I don't think so. (laughs) And yeah, it was, it was like a floodgate open after that. But I think that connection to the, that other side, that also makes sense because I'd had so many young male friends die and they were the ones coming through there that it was like, that then gave me that reflection time to go where are they you know so I think maybe sometimes without that connection but I'm curious too because you've got young kid two kids is that
1: right Mm -hmm. yeah
0: did you because I I don't have kids yet but um I I love this idea that from what I've heard is that they're still connected to the other side for this period of time so it's almost like as they start to talk or you know in a coherent way you can kind of ask them questions about where were you before and they still had that connection without that societal framing of this isn't normal did you find that with your kids that they were still connected I know my mentor was so desperate once her kid was old enough to ask and he's like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) So she was so disappointed, but I have because I've had friends write to me go, Oh my gosh, my, my daughter's talking about there's this person in their room or, and I said, do you feel scared? Like, are they scared? And they're like, no. So did you find that with your kids that they, they had those
1: experiences? My oldest, um, and I wasn't working as a medium when he was born and there were some really traumatic things were, that were happening. So I didn't feel as available to, to some of that dialogue, but I do remember him saying, I mean, available in that I didn't, I wasn't available to ask him questions yes. and seek that out because yes. I was yeah. felt like I was in survival mode. But I do remember when he was about five, him saying he had a dream of a past life yeah, wow. um, and 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 seeing someone standing in the room and um, what was wild is like, well, I don't, I don't want to go down that because I, I think that's a whole nother tangent, but yes. he remembered having a dream about a past life and he remembered not wanting to leave my womb. Right. He remembered saying, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. And when he came out, he was so angry. And <sighs> I feel like the world just felt like too much to him. Like he's yes. really gotten I, so much better at regulating be himself. I,
0: on Instagram, I remember you saying he was screaming when he came out. Like, yeah. Yes
1: like yeah. bloody murder and screamed and screamed and screamed. Yeah. Um, and he's just a really sensitive being and he's very empathic and he'll talk about it now. And what I love. And he also saw my husband's aunt. She um, said, he said, your aunt's here. And she wanted you to know this one time. Um, so he doesn't tap into it regularly, but he loves the dialogue around it. And um, he has had those experiences. my youngest, Not so much. He he believes in it, um, but he doesn't talk about it as much. Right? He's like not as open. I know there are things that are going on, but my oldest will just talk about it all day. Right? So interesting. And I think it's such
0: a nice space. Uh, It's not to say my my parents blocked it or anything, but I think that if we do all have this within us, and then you know we're maybe moving to a, a place in the world where there's more and more of us that are open to it and then able to allow our children to grow up in a place where they're not suppressing it because I think whether or not you want to go and do work like what we do, I think that's besides the point. It's this thing of I felt similar to it sounds like that place in time for you where I was really just in trying to overcome trauma and really just in survival mode mm-hmm. I think a lot of that I don't want to say it could be avoided because I do believe you know our soul pass and all of that but what I'm trying to say is that I think so much of what we suppress as children is that trusting the intuition and that spiritual mm-hmm. side of ourselves that if we had it we'd be so more equipped to have moved through the world and trusted signs where they were there or even just be attuned to our body that was the biggest thing for mm-hmm. me where I was so disconnected to the fact that I was so stressed or that I was sick or do you know what I mean it was like yeah. A, yeah. and I think it's that closing off of of that because um I had I had scary things like premonitions and seeing that people are gonna die and I've oh, got nice. this memory from a, from childhood of running out of a cemetery because I don't know what I saw but but i think it was like those things that i felt were so abnormal right is is so closely connected to that intuition and that part that is you know and so then you do start yeah. to listen to
1: society more than
0: yourself yeah. yeah yeah and i feel
1: like i've seen my kids listen to their bodies and listen mm-hmm. to their intuition when they meet someone and they're like i don't feel safe in this group or these people aren't being very nice and and the, everyone else is like, oh, but they're fine. They're great kids or they're this or they're that. And my kids will really stick to what they feel is true. And I, I do agree with you that if we'd been taught to stick to what we feel is true, we could have avoided different situations. Some things, yeah. And if we'd listened to our body, we could have like processed those feelings that certain things brought up or or not engaged in different dynamics that weren't healthy for us. And, you know, and even like foods we eat, you know, or- I think it goes down to anything. And then I also think that there's this incredible magic about intuition. And then even knowing that there are spirit guides and angels and loved ones on the other side, there's this support system around us that if we're connected to it, then life is less lonely. And if we also understand our empathy is not really, it's not so that we can overmanage people or become codependent. Um, or enable people to, because someone's suffering, enable them to treat us bad. If we understand our empathy is really a tool for loving and understanding that I can say, like, "I, I don't know how you suffer because your story is a little bit different, but I can feel that suffering on some level. And I think it just allows for more compassion and softness and connection. So I feel like, yeah. So I feel like you have a group of people who are over identified with their empathy to the point where it's harmful to them. Yeah. And then you have people that totally turn it off.
0: Yeah. 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 Which is that they're both kind of lonely places, I think, Yeah. because if it's so switched off that you can't engage or connect with people, but then I've gone to that pendulum swing of, you know, and I still have to work through this. I'm so am, empathic that um, I've been around people that like I ha- I remember I was around a girl in high school and her- she had issues with her hands. I, I get the physical, it comes through my body. So I'm so empathic yeah. that it's, it's um, that it-, it can get lonely because I want to shut out the world because it's mm-hmm. just easier. Um, but again, it's that if, if the tools had been in place to start to connect and it's also like, Being confident, because I think it is that place where, when, if you're growing up and you're shutting out these things, it's not just shutting out abilities, it's shutting out your navigation system. It's shutting out your trust in yourself. And I think that's where that road forks. It did for me anyway, where it was like, okay, I, I can't trust myself because everyone's saying that that's wrong everyone's right. saying that that's weird. And so how I think mm-hmm. and the things that I'm getting that are true to me are wrong or incorrect or weird. So mm-hmm. then I'm moving to a place of, well, I'm constantly looking outward. Well, now what do I do now? What do I do Right to, to a society or to external people? And in that place found myself, you know, in toxic relationships in this trauma mm-hmm. in, you know, because it was like, well, everyone else is with people. Like I better just go along with these relationships to try and make them work because it's what I feel I have to do. So I think it is interesting that sometimes people can think that intuition is an ability or a superpower, or why would I want to train this up if it's not work I'm doing, but it's so much Mm -hmm. more than that. It's that, it's that navigation, it's that trust system. So you can stop looking outward. Because I feel, and I yes. don't know if you do, but when when you look outward is when you're not doing the thing that's right for you.
1: Yeah. And if you're paying attention, you can feel that betrayal in your body. Yes. And I do think we need to hone it because it can be, we, we need to understand what it's for. And it is that navigation system. It's not to get into other people's business, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not all those mm-hmm. things. And also like with empathy, I'm trying to work with my son right now and okay, he'll feel something. And it's like tracking what's mine, what's yours. I remember oh, yeah. going to dinner oh, at someone's house. I'm like, now I wish Found- you were my mom. <laughs> oh I God. Kid, I would- Because, because <laughs> that, that just that what's mine,
0: what's yours. Like that's yeah. massive. What's
1: mine, what's yours. If I would have known, yeah. oh my gosh. And oh, I yeah. still have to, say it during a session, but I remember going to the house and having dinner with someone. And I remember leaving that house and I reflect on the dinner and I was overeating like tons of food and I wasn't hungry. And I found myself like hyper overeating. And this person struggled with a relationship to food in her body. And I was empath, empathizing with her struggle without even knowing it. And I look back and now I know if I was going into situation, finding myself like in that behavior, I can say, okay, this isn't mine. This is not my body. This is not my hunger. You know? Um, and I think we need to understand that we need to know what is ours. What is someone else's how? And I wish I could have been like, oh, I send her compassion. This is a difficult struggle, but it's not mine to feed or work through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so key and something that I'm working on now, it's just a, such a massive piece is that I have collected so much mm-hmm. of other people's stuff, like yeah. preconception, you know, through to now that I'm unpicking. But, you know, you were talking about your process of daily, like, okay, what am I feeling? This came up, this came up. A part of work that I'm doing now, and I don't know if you do the same, but I feel into it, into my body, like okay, there's that squirmy Mm -hmm. feeling in my stomach. And I trace it back, oh, it's something that I saw on social media. Yeah. Then sometimes I'm like, actually, that feeling of inadequacy is not actually even mine. So I think sometimes we can have feelings and emotions that aren't even ours, which is such another like more intricate piece to work through. And I don't want to overwhelm people, but but I think it's important to, to, if it does sound overwhelming to people, but it is, it is there. I think it's not just because you and I are highly attuned. It's like, I think we're, everything's energy and we are meshing with people, whether you're on Zoom meetings or you're actually physically in a cafe with people. It's like, it's happening all day, right?
1: Oh, all the time. And I remember um, when I was in my therapy training, they said, be mindful of how you feel before a client. Because you can start to pick up on their experience and oh, yeah. be mindful afterwards. Like if I have a shame hangover, I can know now that's not my shame hangover. That person who, who was my client or someone I interacted with, they felt shame because they over talked or overshared. I used to notice I would start to feel anxious before a client and I was like, this isn't mine. So it's we, you know, it's like when I teach people to do readings. I say, the minute you know who you're going to be connecting with and you set that intention to connect soul to soul, you're getting information. Your body falls away and 99% of what's coming through is all about them. And so it's just a, it's such a subtle shift. And if we're walking around open and not even understanding this, then we're just gathering other people's energy into our body. I know
0: it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm so attuned sometimes that it's like, if someone makes a booking with me on a Monday, it can be with, you know, in the appointments on a Friday. Um, I've noticed like arguments I'm having with my husband, are like even there, like there it's not me. It's so it's
1: it's it's fascinating. I know.
0: And it's, it's one of the reasons why too, I, um, I was doing the medium work at first and I dropped it um, to just focus more on the the energy work, because just for me, I, at least at that point in time, it was just too, just getting too ingrained in me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, mediumship
1: is so, it's so much about our empathy so that we can actually feel that being to understand who they were, <laughs> So that makes sense to me. if you were feeling like it was too much because it's like they'll come through and like you feel if they were an alcoholic, oh, yeah, you feel their depression. you feel, yeah. or what was their depression yeah. as they show it to you. I mean, I think that's one of the beautiful things about empathy is it it's such a powerful way to connect to the other side. But if you don't know how to let that go or separate or um then that would be a lot,
0: yeah, and it was. and and
1: it, I think it's like that that illness stuff. But
0: interestingly, one of the things that I I don't know if you've looked into it, but one of the things that I did a little bit of training in and in my mind in the future, I would love to do is forensic mediumship. So I got really good and you'd think that these would be, this would be affect me more, but for some reason it didn't. I got really good at looking at like cold case studies or like my sister would send me, you know, those murder podcast things because I don't oh, listen see, I to can't. them. Right. Yeah. So it's funny, right? Cause that was like for me solving a problem. And you would see, I guess sometimes graphic stuff,
1: but yeah, I did a psychic. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You did. You did it. You did some training. I did a psychic detection. I signed up for a psychic detection course with Tony Stockwell. Oh yeah. So I did it
0: with Lisa. So Tony and um, Lisa are are good friends, I think.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's where I think. And I took one class Right. And it was so triggering and traumatizing because we were looking at murder cases Yes, and he would what, show yeah. us a picture and then we would try to, and and I was, you know, I got it, but I was right. like, I just, can't. Right. so I'm trying to
0: think, did I see a picture of crime scenes? Like, did he, did we see, it? I, I think they showed us like the scenes. So like, here's the car park or whatnot, but I didn't actually see. A they margin- would just show
1: us the person. And they would oh, say, right. how would yeah. this person die? Yeah, I, I just got like- a name. Yeah, I got a name
0: or a person and, and saw it. <laughs> but, yeah, and I recently just got um, obsessed with watching Medium again I because, I th- again, that was one of these things that I watched when I was younger and it was, like, always a feeling somewhere there that, like, th- this was something I had but then not. I don't know It's really interesting mm-hmm. where, but I like watching those stories of people that are like us because sometimes it can feel You know, I don't connect with people like you all the time and it can feel weird to move through the world and know that you see it differently to other people or know that you're experiencing it. And that can feel kind of lonely and, and difficult, you know, in a way that, but I think that is just owning it, whether you, um, like you're an introvert or you're a medium or this, but it's like, sometimes you just need to own whatever. This is something else that I thought was really, uh, I resonated with you said on one of your podcast episodes, but talking about your household needs, food, mm-hmm. going to Whole Foods and just like this is expensive. Unfortunately, this is what our house needs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think sometimes there is, you know, I, I don't know. It is funny just being the way that we are, and but everyone is so individual that like, You just need to own that this is what i spend money on because sometimes i don't know if you get it too but people like oh my gosh you're paying this much rent or you're doing this or you're doing that and it's like yeah that's i don't drink this is i spend money on acupuncture this you know because
1: it's, yeah. it's what I need and not apologizing for it yeah which yeah. has been a struggle yeah because nobody too, will yeah. blink an eye if you go to the bar twice a week Correct. or out to yeah. eat twice a week Nobody, yes. if you were someone who went to fancy restaurants no one yes. would blink an eye but yes. you tell them how much your grocery bill is and yeah oh, yeah I can't believe that yeah <laughs>
0: we're the same like- in this household it's funny though right but I think it is just that that other piece of just owning who you are and, and all of that kind of thing. And it's such a journey too. especially when there's not so many people to
1: identify with. Not so many people at all. Yeah. I mean, I think it can be lonely. Um, something when you were talking about the forensic mediumship, um, I was wondering if it was coming to you for a reason, um oh. you know that you were fi- liking this and, I am getting and pulled I a few times in this session because I don't know if you've noticed but
0: um I, I call it getting pulled but like it's hard to do a podcast when you- you're trying not to I don't know do you get this but like it's like feeling distracted so I have a mm-hmm. thought but I'm getting I am getting pulled somewhere and and then I'm trying to come back to hey what did I want to ask
1: you <laughs> <laughs> it's totally okay but I was yeah. wondering one thing I got pulled to is I wonder if she's being called to it for a reason. Right. And um, do you know, have you seen on Instagram, Kirsten Pierce's Hathcock? Pearson's Hathcock. No. She wrote a book called Little Voices. No. And um, children who were missing, that's how she became a medium. Children yeah. who were missing started yeah. coming to her. And then she works, the only mediumship she does is to help solve unsolved mysteries. Yeah,
0: see, see, that's where I could actually see myself doing it. And I, I remember that Um. Uh, a kid went missing in Melbourne in Victoria a while ago. And out of just my own curiosity, I, I did like sort of try and see where they were and what happened. But um, I don't know whether in Australia – I don't know if the police are super open to it, but I feel like you could just consult over into America because I think it
1: is totally. way more. Totally, yeah. She has a New York detective she she worked with.
0: Yeah, right, yeah, because I find that so interesting and in a way because I find that the work that I do with clients that is more in that space, I don't know why. It's it's so interesting, right, like what you're drawn to and what you can handle mm-hmm. versus what I'm drawn to and what I can handle. Um yeah. So it, it, it's so interesting. I'm trying to think, cause I know I've got to wind up soon and I, I'm trying to think, Oh, there was something that you said, there's two things that I wanted to just quickly touch on, but um, one video that you shared is very, very recent, but you talked about the separation from your family and what I really love from it. Um, and if you could explain to people a little bit about that video that you shared, but that, that you hadn't spoken to your family in some time or some of your family. But the, the thing that I found the most powerful that you said, which I think people need to hear, whether it's that situation or something completely different is that this doesn't mean I haven't done the work because I think sometimes right. people constantly feel that they have to mend
1: mm-hmm.
0: relationships again, or you haven't done the work or you're not strong enough or this or that, but it's, yeah, could you talk to that the separation of our journey versus other people's journey
1: and yeah, how you see that? Oh, definitely. And the thing that really sets me off um is the phrase they did the best they knew how to do. Yeah. I just I had a therapist say that to me early on yeah. in therapy and it's just gaslighting because let's put it this way, you would never go up to a woman and say your rapist did the best they knew how to do. You would yeah. never do it. Yeah. But when it comes or to someone, a person of color, you would never say that racist person who killed someone was doing the best they knew how to do. But I can't tell you how many people have said to me, and my mother was very physically abusive, mm. um, and it was an abusive household, that she did the best they knew how to do. Mm. Sorry, no. That doesn't work, especially when the person hasn't taken responsibility or changed the behavior that continues to deny or um, continue to abuse or manipulate or anything like that. Like Mm. there's very little I wouldn't forgive if someone said, I am so sorry, I hurt you. Help me understand, help me repair never happen. So I feel like this idea that, and I think, I think it probably comes from people who are so scared as parents of being called out at some point by their kids, which I'm sorry, my kids are going to call me out. They're going to be in therapy for their own reason, oh, right? you know, yeah. but that yeah. doesn't mean they have to excuse anything that I've done, you know, yeah. and compassion is built through our own healing. So I really just found that like, Spending time with my family made me depressed. It made me suicidal. That was just not worth it. I tried to have conversations. Um, you know, there were no, I did not try to have a conversation with my mother because she's beyond conversation, but I did try to have conversations with other members of my family who just couldn't meet me there. And at some point I was like, enough, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And I have spent 20 years, over 20 years working on myself. And I know being in those relationships would drag me down to a place that would not be good for my partner, for me, for my kids. And I don't believe that blood is blood and family is family and that we're yeah. meant to be in relationship. I, f- I feel like we made some soul contract Yeah. That that this was where I was supposed to start off, but I've evolved past those relationships and probably evolved in my own spiritual awareness to where they haven't evolved or grown, or maybe they have, but it's not my business. But in that separation, I am healing more, but also I've developed compassion for them. Like if I'm no longer putting in myself in a situation to be abused, I can start my own healing and then I can start to understand, oh, you really suffer. And that's why you act that way. But that development of compassion doesn't start with someone else telling me, oh, th- telling me how to feel or, or what to do with the situation. It starts with my own natural evolution and my healing. And I think compassion is a natural thing that happens as we evolve and grow, especially mm-hmm. spiritually. Yeah. So yeah, and maybe I just, it, it and, couldn't
0: happen if you were, if you had have no. stayed in that,
1: if I would have stayed, no, I probably, if, yeah. if I'm honest, I might've killed myself.
0: Mm, if yeah. I would
1: have stayed in that, in those relationships, that would have been too much. And, um, you know, and, and my partner at the time, who's now my husband was watching me walk through that and he mm. was just like, yeah, it's not worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's so powerful for people to hear, because I think particularly in, <laughs> like toxic situations and and I don't know whether it's a I, I don't think it's a gendered thing I don't know but I you know like females we tend to people please or but like feeling that we owe someone yes. something like our a, life <laughs> a, a, our life yeah or <laughs> or feeling that we have to try and work something out because again mm-hmm. I think it comes back to that intuition piece where you just know someone is just not going to be able to meet me here. They're just not. And so I think that sometimes it can be just too traumatizing and you don't need it to have to engage with someone that you know um, that just won't. And It does remind me even of my experience with um, one of (laughs) my abusive boyfriends um, but Mm -hmm. where he just wouldn't stop contacting me and it was that feeling of like, oh, well, he wants to talk and we were together for so long. like all these things where you feel that yeah I guess I do owe them a conversation or whatever it is but then at some point I was like fuck this like this is just ridiculous I don't I don't owe you anything and this is traumatizing to me and you're not thinking of me in this situation as well right so
1: yeah I think and that's not love It's you not. Know, love. I think yeah. if we've grown up in in trauma, our definition of love is so skewed. Is yeah. So skewed. Yeah. Um, and I just think the most loving thing is sometimes leaving.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and- yeah because as you said, then there is that separation that you can step back and, and work on compassion. And it's not immediate, but it but it's right. then they're the opening, um, which yeah. is healing. And I think that that soul path thing too is really interesting because uh, I think that we do have those soul contracts with people and and, and it is okay to let people go. Like we're there for yeah. journeys with people. And again, it does feel like sometimes those outside voices of you need to stay friends with people forever or you owe people something wow. where sometimes we're just meant to connect with someone for four years or two years or three months and learn something or, yeah. you know, they were our parent and now we just don't see them
1: anymore. Um, yeah, I love my friend. She talks about love, Danae Logan, and she's Mm -hmm. like, she's come to, and I feel like this is how she says it. So forgive me, Danae, if I say it wrong, (laughs) but she's come to realize like in relationship is, is loving someone is honoring their soul's path. And if their path is to leave or their path is to grow or to evolve, that's loving them and setting them free when they need to be set free. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Not the ego's path, you know what I mean, but the soul's path and 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 relationships—some of them are temporary. Yeah, and I, yeah, we have this to flip fixed it to idea that, to hold on.
0: Yeah, it's it's flipping it even to that positive side, right? Like if you know, I I think about these things, and I think if Ray, my husband, one day decided that that he needed to go off and I don't know live in Peru or do something—I don't know whatever it is—he needed to do as painful as that would be for me. But yeah, it isn't loving for me to say, no, you need to stay here with me married forever if that is no longer working. So it kind of works both ways. It doesn't have to be a toxic thing. It can be that Mm -hmm. sometimes we just outgrow situations or friendships or whatever. Um, I'm so conscious of time and I'm just thinking, was there anything else I wanted to ask you? But I also want to make sure that people have your details and I'm going to read it out. So I don't make a mistake um, or I could have just asked you, but if anyone wants to book with you, they can do it um, wherever they are in the world, right? Because you're online. Yes. So yes. if you want to book with Ashley, which I strongly recommend that you do, um, it's Ashley Torrance, yeah. so T-O-R-R-E-N-T um, dot com. I'll put this in the show notes as well and on instagram again strongly recommend that you because you you can hear that i've brought up a few like really powerful videos um so it's at ashley torrent 29 and then if you can't find her go into my follow. you'll see that i follow ashley so if you get confused or reach out to me so that you can was there anything that you wanted to kind of talk about share is there anything that you're working on at the moment
1: um, well, I teach ongoing classes in intuitive development and spiritual mediumship. Oh, great! So if anyone is interested in, in anything we talked we've, about today, too, yeah, anything we've talked about, they're ongoing throughout the year. Um, also, some intuitives that I've trained and worked with, we offer, um, it's, it's about monthly um, community offering of readings, um, oh, wow. and if, it's called Soul Circle. So the next one is September 10th, and then we'll have another one in October. So if anyone wanted to get a reading from me or um one of the intuitives that work with me then that's available oh that's Um, great yeah I've
0: I've had sessions from um the the lady that trained me she she will have students and like for anyone listening don't think that they're students they don't know what they're doing they're actually really potent usually (laughs) like because they're so kind of fresh into it you know I don't know if you find that but um. But yeah, so that would be great. And I think I've actually seen those on your Instagram too, so people can read mm-hmm. a little more about those. And your podcast yes. as well. I oh, yes.
1: Those. Yeah. Um, I do a podcast called The Blue Butterfly Effect Podcast, and it's aimed to ground spirituality and explore personal transformation. And then another podcast I do with my husband um, based on his book, The Practice of Love where we explore different topics about life and our 23 year relationship and share personal experiences, but he's a therapist too. And Mm. we talk intuition, we talk therapy, we talk life. Um, and we've been on a hiatus, but we're going to start up again in September. So. Oh, great. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. I no had worries. so much fun.
0: Oh, me too. I know. And that's why I was like, I've got to keep watching the clock because I know you've got to go and I would end up sitting here all day and just forget to do anything. <laughs> but, um, I'm so glad that we got to connect and, um, yeah, it's, it's been really great. And I hope that you enjoyed it as well. And I hope, I know everyone's going to love listening to this. So it's hopefully I'm going to get this up as soon as I can edit it. but um. Yeah, we didn't have, I thought I heard a dog in your room at one point, and I know my cat's been scratching at the door, but um, hopefully there shouldn't be too many animal noises to, you do have a dog, right? Now I'm just like, is there a dog there? I do have two dogs. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh God, a dog spirit in the room, but no. But yeah, thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you and I'm looking forward to staying connected with you as well.
1: Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.